Welcome in. It's the B-List Daily on Sports Time 780, live online, sportstime780.com. You can also find the feed at mbr.org. My name is Aaron Morse. I'm filling in for Maddie B on this Tuesday. We've got Coach Dave Wing alongside me in studio as usual, and happy to be joined in this first half hour by the head coach of the men's and women's tennis teams at Bates College, a Lewiston native, a Lewiston High School alum, a Bates College alum as well, Paul Gassingay. Paul, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for asking me on. Absolutely. And, um, well, Paul, the season underway already. The men's tennis team was at the Middlebury Invitational last weekend. Um, before we get into your background a little bit, tell us about both your tennis teams this year. You graduate, obviously, some great seniors from last year, but um, some great young players are coming in as well, right? It's that constant cycle. Every year, you know, you graduate some amazing kids who have just matured, you know, on and off the court and just great leaders. So it's you can never really replace them because they, they're just so mature and so far along in their development that, you know, you just it's that constant cycle, that evolution. And every year you start with a new crop and, you know, you you hope they're going to keep progressing and, you know, start at a maybe a higher point than the, the last class was and get to a better level. But um, amazing, amazing kids on both both sides and um, really excited about the process this year and where we're going you're one of a few coaches at Bates who coaches you know the men and the women uh, Pat Cosker does it for squash we got it for Nordic skiing and alpine skiing as well what's it like in tennis coaching the men's and women's tennis teams well I think the advantage is we have an instant family yeah. uh, for both sports and it really is more like basketball or lacrosse or soccer they're two independent schedules um, but we do uh, end up on the road sometimes at the same time, but it's really more two distinct teams. We don't go to the same meets on a regular basis. Um, so they they end up with an instant family with their own uh, team plus the men's team because I coach both. You know, the men and the women will will you know interact and you know it's it's an instant family. So explain again the the schedule issue. So. If you're playing Middlebury, you don't go the men at Middlebury and the, and the women home against Middlebury. It's not that kind of a schedule. Well, I couldn't be both places at <laughs> once. Okay, well, that, that right? was why I was asking. So, what, what, what what's that work like for you? Yeah. Well, I have to schedule creatively um, to try to be everywhere. Uh, there's a couple instances throughout the year where, the, like for example, in a couple weeks we have the ITA regional championships, and those are held the same weekend. And ones at Middlebury uh, for the men and the women are at Williams. So oh, boy. <laughs> it's it's difficult, and I have uh, associate head coach Sam Woods who, who does a great job. And, and what we do is you know alternate every year in those occasions where we, you know we have to be split. Um, but it's all about the preparation. So every day we, we work hard to, to get them there in the match time. It's it's a matter of uh, you know reminding them of you know a couple cues and obviously identifying trends and things that are going on in the match and trying to adjust. So it's helpful to be there. Um, it's challenging and it's stressful for me not to be there. <laughs> so that's that's where it's different. In the spring, when we're playing our dual matches, I I literally schedule them on different days. So occasionally we'll play two in a day, um, but that's you know indoors in Maine or New England. That's a six-hour match, you know, times two. So it's a it's a long day. I'd rather sure play is. one a day, but sometimes it's unavoidable. Um, but yeah, we we basically we play from February to the close to the end of May 
for NCAA, so it's it's a long season. And um, I think last year uh, I didn't have a match on Easter Sunday, and that was it <laughs> on the weekends. So. There you go. Right, right. So what, what's different about uh, – I've pretty much only coached team sports. I'm just thinking about having been a novice tennis player at best. You're all alone. It's you and your opponent, and you're in your own head. You know, you're trying to remember, coach said this, and I need to remember. But what's different about preparing them for that versus, okay, as a team, everybody's got to do their job and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's similar. You know, you hear Coach Belichick telling everyone, do your job, handle your responsibility. And I think, um, you know, all those pieces are linked together at the same time to make a play work or scheme work. Tennis is different because you've got three doubles matches and six singles matches. So everyone has to handle their responsibility, but they're by themselves. As a doubles team, it's, you know, you get that team aspect um, and they have to work together. But, you know, everyone really has to handle their own uh, preparation, make sure that they're ready to go. And, and it takes that collection of, you know, five points you know to win a, a nine point match and you know you, whether it's uh, doubles or singles doesn't matter everyone has equal value so i think that's the neat thing number one or number six i mean it's all the same value and uh everyone has to show up on the same day i mean in our league we're playing the best teams in the country every single match um the nescac is super strong and it's division one level right now um the type of players that we have very high level so it's it's a lot of fun and uh, yeah, they they have to handle their business on their own. So, Paul, you're a Lewiston native through and through, born and raised here. What was it like growing up in Lewiston and then deciding to you know stay in town for college and going to Bates and whatnot? Well, I really didn't know that much about different colleges and and such. I mean, growing up here, um, and I developed really late as a tennis player. Like I was a good player in high school. Um, <clears throat> one of the better players in the state, but I had never played indoor tennis until like I was a junior in high school. So I started getting better end of high school. And then uh, when I decided to come to Bates, my parents just said, basically, look, it's great school, go to Bates. And I said, okay. So <laughs> there we go, that was easy. Um, but you know, the, the allure of Bates, um, you know, I'd, I'd been around the campus a lot and uh, Buddy Schultz was a class of 81 and you know his whole legacy of being top 40 in the world ATP ranking you know that was really attractive to me and I came in in 85 so he was a few years ahead of me but that was sort of the attraction for me athletically was wow this guy did this at Bates I mean why not let's 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 go there and I knew it was a great education and so those two things together that's kind of what drew me to Bates and George Wigdon was the head coach then right yes and so what? There's been two head coaches for Bates Tennis in, what, 50-plus years now? Is that correct? Wow, that's scary. It <laughs> <laughs> is scary, isn't it? What did you learn from Coach Wigdon, and what has it applied to your career? Coach was just an amazing leader and someone that you wanted to follow. And you wanted to, to be the best you could be for him because he's just a great man. And, um, you know, he set that tone that, Look, we're gonna we're gonna do our best. We're gonna prepare the best way we can, and we're gonna go compete every day. And uh, he just he also made it fun. And uh, I just talked to him the other day, actually, and um, I I asked him his secret. I'm like, how do you stay so young? I mean, he's almost ninety, and he 
he looks the same as when he was coaching me, and I'm like, I'm doing something wrong here because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm losing my hair and getting older. But uh, anyways, uh, great man. Uh, it was a pleasure to, to play for him. Uh, really uh, respect him, and uh, the opportunity he gave me was unbelievable. And you got to play professionally a little bit after you graduated from college before you know, come back to coach at Bates. So what was that time in your life like playing professionally? Because that's got to be kind of stressful, I imagine. <laughs> it wasn't stressful. Okay. For me, it was like a dream. Yeah. I mean, every kid wants to be an elite athlete in whatever sport they pursue. And and for me, you know, my dad, you know, gave me that opportunity at a young age to, you know, have a, a passion for tennis and to, to love the sport. And gave me all the tools, all the all the fundamentals, and then you know, I just had, I always had a passion for it, and so when I came to Bates and I started, you know, improving and doing better, um, started encroaching on Buddy's, uh, Buddy Schultz's records, and I said, well, maybe I'm going to give this a shot too. And he, you know, the thing that pushed me along was he came back my sophomore year. He came back to train for a week, and I played with him like, I think three times that week, and. Uh, kind of a light bulb went off and I said I, I can do this and so I uh, when all my my classmates were pursuing uh, interviews for work and trying to get a job I was doing the same thing trying to get sponsorship and find money so that I could go on the road and and train and pay for coaching and flights and all that yeah I was thinking that'd be the stressful part about you that was yeah, a, yeah. that was yeah that was tough because yeah. I mean I had no fallback. It was either I find a way um, and literally, you know, sleep in my car or on someone's floor or share, you know, it was, but for me, it was worth it. I didn't care. I, I just wanted to try to make it. And uh, so I had this opportunity um, after college, I was working with Buddy down in uh, Boston and uh, helping him coach and he was coaching me and um, a couple of my training partners were already on the tour and uh, one of them had gotten uh, an ask to go down and train with Yvonne Lendl, who was the number one player in the world, and he couldn't make it. So I got a call because he recommended me. I got a call from Yvonne Lendl's secretary saying, do you want to come down and train? And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, really? <laughs> so I, I was super nervous there. I'll tell you the truth. I, I, I was, uh, you know extremely nervous and not because I didn't think I could play but because I didn't want it to be a waste of his time and he was you know it was Bjorn Borg and it was Yvonne Lendl my two idols growing up that I really respected their work ethic um, how they went about their business and you know so I emulated them and and uh, it was a, a really neat opportunity I went down the first time and I ended up losing 6-4 6-4 and uh, you know for a D3 kid from Lewis to Maine, I was like, okay, anything's possible, you know. So I just worked hard, and he asked me back several times and then asked me to move down. And uh, so I was down there for about four years. And so that was Yvonne Lindo you played? Yeah. 6'4", 6'4". That's pretty okay. good, number one player in the world. <laughs> and I'll be honest, uh, you know, tennis is about holding serve and, and going for a break. and yeah. And... You know, there were days he was beating me 6-0, 6-0, 3-0. But I think, you know, I had that quality of never giving up and just fighting. And he respected that. So um, 
that's the quality I try to pass on to my players. And just, we're going to give it our all, and no matter what, just fight. So, Coach, do you do uh, off-the-court training? Is there anything specific that you work on with your, with your athletes when they're not on the court? We do a full, you know, encompassing, holistic system. I mean, we work on, we have an amazing uh, strength and conditioning coach, Mike Seltzer at Bates, who sets up specific programs for our athletes and all the other uh, teams as well, but tennis-specific, uh, you know, core strength, uh, joint mobility, flexibility, and you have to be strong, uh, but it's a different strength. you got to be super flexible, um, and, you know, he follows all the the cutting-edge stuff, um, and he's certified in, in a lot of different uh, modalities and, and specialities, and, and he does a great job with our athletes getting them ready, and it's, it's really, you know, injury prevention and making sure that, you know, they're performing, you know, at their peak performance and uh, not getting hurt doing so. And their recovery is better. Because so. I was thinking that, you know, it's not a sport where you want heavy weights and all those things. I was thinking about the technology of, of uh, stretchable bands. Absolutely. Uh, how, yep. how much that would benefit a tennis athlete. Oh, yeah. We use bands. We use medicine balls. We use TRX straps. We, I mean, you name it. Uh, it's, all, it's all that stuff. Um, it's all about range of motion, mobility, recovery. Uh, absorbing a load because when you change direction and you're on a full run and then you have to plant move the other way that's a it's a huge amount of force so it's about training your body to decelerate without getting hurt and moving the other direction and he does a great job with that and you know we also spend a lot of time working on the mental side of things and the team culture uh, we work with dr jerry lynch who uh for the last seven years and um, he works with golden state warriors like he's on the phone with steve kerr um, so I can pick up the phone. I was actually texting with Jerry yesterday, and um, you know we started working with him. You know, like I said, almost seven years ago, and you know he's been a huge addition uh, to our team and and helping us um, sort of uh, refine uh, how we go about that side of things and team culture. And it, we have a, we have an amazing team culture, and our, our group of kids are they're amazing. So they, they work hard at that stuff. What's the experience been like? You've coached a NCAA singles champion in men's tennis as well as doubles champions. Um, I mean, I know the singles champion, he came in unranked and, and ended up winning it all. What was what were those experiences like to coach you know, national champs? Because that's, you know, some coaches go their whole lives and they don't coach a national champ. <laughs> I know. It's pretty blessed um, to ha- coach some amazing athletes that – uh, we, we did that together. Um, they're the ones doing the work. I mean, I just have to get them to, to listen to me once in a while. <laughs> um, but um, it's, it is a lot of fun. Um, and it's a, it's a memory. You know, when you win that championship, it's, it's amazing. But there's so many other journeys that I've had with hundreds of athletes right. that maybe they don't win the national championship. And it's so interesting in our culture and society today. You know, we've had... Uh, two runner-ups as well yeah um singles and doubles and semifinals and no one remembers those kids because they didn't win the whole thing but pretty amazing journey when you have you know a kid like ben rosen who's five-time all-american um you know who came in as uh not a superstar you know um not to to slight ben but he was he was a kid that had a great heart and uh 
real tough uh, mental, mental mentality and a real strong uh, work ethic, and and that's what he did. He worked hard and just super, you know, was a super athlete, improved, and transformed in four years. So that's what we're looking for. Is just you know, it's that journey along the way, and you know, there's a lot of great memories with all these kids. Yeah, Ben's career kind of mirrored yours in a way, right? Because you didn't come in necessarily as like ready for college necessarily, and then over your time at Bates, you developed into that. Is that fair? Yeah, um, I think when I started the fall, my freshman year, I was number four on the team, mm-hmm. um, and I was pretty raw, and uh, I just worked. Uh, I remember going to the athletic trainer, and he said, you know, hey, you got to do this in the weight room, this and this and this, and I said, okay. But uh, I had a conversation after our fall tournament. We finished up with an invitational, kind of like what we do now, and uh, I lost in the finals in a tough three-setter to the number one from Brandeis. Noel Alchemy and Noel ended up winning the national championship uh, his sophomore year. And this was first year, and and uh, Noel said to me after the match, "I'll see you in California." And I was so clueless; I had no idea <laughs> what he was talking about. So I, I made an appointment with Coach uh, to meet with him the next day in his office, and I said, "What's he talking about? What's this California?" And uh, Coach said, "Well, that's where nationals is this year." And I said, well, you know, what do I have to do to, to make it there? And he kind of laughed, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, uh, well, you're going to have to play number one first, and you're going to have to pretty much go undefeated or win the NESCAC championship or both, and uh, hopefully we'll get a look. Because back then, NESCAC uh, wasn't allowed to go to the NCAAs as a team. Right. So, you know, we weren't kind of given the same... Uh, credibility that we are now. Now we're the Premier League. So I said, okay, um, I'm going to do it. And, uh, you know, whatever, four months later, we were on a plane to California. The rest is history, huh? Yeah, my first flight. And uh, really, I'm sitting next to Coach, and I'm like, this is so cool. And he's, he looks at me like, what's your problem? <laughs> I'm like, no, I've never been on an airplane before. Wow. So, um, yeah, it was pretty pretty neat. Tennis opened up a lot of doors. We, we talked to some of the other coaches that have come in, because we've had pretty much all, everybody, not everybody, but pretty much. We're getting there. That, that have, and some have been here a long time, like you have. But you've actually been in Lewiston your whole life. Tell us how the campus has changed uh, since you remember it, it was when you were in high school and so on. I remember it from when I was a little kid. My dad used to run tournaments for the rec department, and we used to use all the Bates courts, and the courts used to be on the other side of the football field and then there were also uh, three courts um, one close to Central Ave one um, <laughs> in f- next to alumni and one uh, next to um, the bill um, and since they built the new dining hall that's all been wiped out but uh, and they had some clay courts as well so um, there used to be a fence around the campus um, really yeah so because I've been here, I've lived in Green 33 years. I don't remember there being a fence. Yeah, there was a chain link fence around different sections, and wow. and uh, I remember that well because I, my dad was running this men's tournament. And I was, I think I was 12 or 13, and I was watching the, you know the two main guys playing, and it was a battle, and the, the ball went over the fence, and that's how I learned as a kid. I just watched the better players in the state, and learned through you know emulating them, and um, so the ball went over, and it was either I have to run all the way down. Uh, 
<laughs> central and then go on campus and then back up uh, to get the ball or I could climb the fence. So I'm like, these guys need their ball, so I climb the fence. <laughs> I have the state championship the next day for the 14 and unders. I uh, get over the fence, but I slip, and I end up hanging on the top of the chain link fence from my wrist. Oh, and, oh um, boy. So, yeah, I uh, I didn't play the next day. To, no. uh, oh, boy. So I said, just don't tell mom. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> so... Anyhow, so, yeah, Bates has changed a ton. I mean, when I came back, I was away for about six years after college. And when I came back, it was uh, already transformed. We had the vill- the student village, the hockey rink, uh, Davis uh, Fitness Center. Um, trying to think what, what else was new then. But since then, I mean, it's just exploded. Yeah, it seems to me the last 10 years have been yeah. incredible. The, I mean, uh, the... The new dining hall is amazing, and the alumni walk cutting through campus, the, the new dorms on both sides of campus. I mean, I do camps all over the country recruiting, and these kids are spoiled. It's a beautiful <laughs> campus. <laughs> it's changing even now. The office I'm currently in is going to be demolished, and we're moving to the basement of Lane Hall, and there's going to be a giant science building built where my office currently wow. is on Nichols Street. So wow. No, it's it, exciting. It to change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, it is, and if you know that's the the hardest part is to get a kid to visit campus because they think we're in the frozen tundra. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, you you can talk about it all you want, but you have to convince them to make the trip. And when they make the trip, they're just wowed. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful campus. And uh, but what makes a campus other people? It's a it's just a a real welcoming place. It's a community where everyone wants to help everyone and it's it's a tight-knit place that you know and that's that's what sells it i mean that feel of the place when you walk on the campus uh the kids love it um they feel supported they're challenged but supported and you know it's that connection that you have with every Bates person while you're here that transcends graduation so when you're looking for a job or you're trying to get to grad school you know there's Anyone who's ever had an affiliation with Bates just has that same feeling, and they want to help you out. So, I, I've told everybody that's come in. My son went to Wesleyan. My daughter went to Con College. So, I've seen, and she played two sports. I've seen all of NESCAC, and they're all very similar. Yeah, it, it's a, it is a great league, and it's a great academic conference. Uh, I would encourage kids. Like I said, I think the hard part for you to recruit is they got to come by those other schools. To get here but once they get here they really see wow this is this is pretty special well we have a special thing going on with our our facility i mean we have one of the best facilities in the nation yeah. um any division and you know there's only eight courts but with uh four built-in stadiums and a upper deck pavilion and lights and sound system all around i mean it's it's pretty amazing and you know we we were fortunate to host two national championships back in the day in 04 and 08, and we would have hosted many more, uh, my guess is, but the NCAA switched from uh, a single championship, men at one site, women at another, uh, and now they have a joint championship, and you need a ton of courts to do that, and we just, you know, we can't accommodate that. Sure. Well, yeah, the, the Wallet Tennis Center is, yeah, gorgeous. Um, and you're hosting an event this weekend, right, with the women's team? Yeah, we're excited about that. This is an event we started uh, last year, and it's a doubles-only event. And we run uh, 
two different tournaments basically we have a, a compass draw on Saturday and a, another one on Sunday and what it allows the coaches to do is is try different pairings against other teams so it's a good way to help organize your your fall you know figure out who meshes well together against other teams and then you know after Saturday then we'll test out you know some other things on Sunday so it's a uh, it's a great event and uh, really gets us going nice absolutely well coach um, any other any other thoughts on the season upcoming for both your teams what you're most excited about looking forward to here we got a fall season and then of course a little bit of a break and then the spring yeah we are sort of uh, the holdout uh, tennis for decades has always had a split season because a lot of parts of the country uh, with men and women they they used to run a women's uh, season in the fall and the men in the spring but since NCAAs has moved uh, both championships to the spring um, most leagues most conferences have moved to a spring championship uh, the new Mac uh, just switched this past year so now they compete in the spring but um, yeah, uh, looking forward to the year. We're very fortunate to have the opportunity to train in the fall. Other NESCAC teams, um, other sports don't because they don't have a, a non-traditional season. So uh, I think it's really important. I get the opportunity to, to work with these kids from the very first day. They're at school and kind of give them an opportunity to, you know, get into the right uh, mode and, and sets them up for success down the road. All right, Coach Paul Gassengave, thanks so much for joining us this morning here on the B-List Daily. Uh, just to so you folks know, I, I texted Paul this morning to, to book him, and Boy, I really that, appreciate him uh, I coming so. in. <laughs> we'll be back with some more uh, local sports talk and some New England Patriots talk as well. They just acquired a, a star receiver with a treble pass. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break. The B-List Daily on Sports Time 780 and SportsTime780.com. There's a winning culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. Well, now there's a new team to add to the list. The orthopedic team at Spectrum Healthcare Partners. An all-star team of orthopedic care right here in your backyard. Four of the area's top orthopedic practices, OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, Falmouth Orthopedic Center, and Maine Ortho have joined forces to become a dream team of orthopedic care where physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff share resources and work as one to make patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about the orthopedic team at Spectrum Healthcare Partners and connect with a provider in your area, visit spectrumhcp.com ortho. That's spectrumhcp.com ortho. We believe in better. A better way to invest, a better way to serve you, and a better result. At Frisbee & Associates, we can help you determine how much risk you're taking, red flags that could be potential problems for you, how much you're paying in fees and commissions, potential tax liability, and how to address Social Security. For your free consultation, call Kevin Frisbee at 241-7430. Frisbee & Associates is located in Rumford, Brewer, and in Lewiston at 656 Main Street. Call 241-7430 online at frisbeebenefits.com. See something? Smell something? Do something. When your basement or crawl space smells, don't ignore it. Odors, mold, and harmful pollutants come from too much moisture and not enough air circulation making your home unhealthy. Do something. Call Wave Home Solutions today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. 
Experts recommend ventilation instead of dehumidifiers to reduce moisture and expel harmful gases and pollutants. Wave moisture control units continuously dry out your home, transforming it into a fresher, healthier environment year-round. Wave units cost only pennies a day to operate, and there are no buckets too empty. Call Wave today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. That's goodairusa.com or call 1-888-980-WAVE. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. Call Wallen Associates now and pay less than you owe. 800-727-0433. That's 800-727-0433. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Paraswabs risk-free, call 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. All aboard MBR.org! The place to get all your high school and amateur sports news and information. MBR.org is in high gear with Maine High School Winter Sports. Go to MBR.org to chat about your favorite team. Find the latest articles, travel news, and cancellations. Or visit their all-new and very popular team pages. MBR.org has everything you want to know about high school and amateur sports in Maine. Coming in February, all the high school tournament action at your fingertips 24-7. It's high school sports heaven. All aboard MBR.org! It's the B-List Daily on Sports Time 780 and live online at sportstimemain.com. My name's Aaron Morse. Filling in for Matty B on this Tuesday. Thanks to Paul Gastengay, the head coach of the Bates Tennis Program, for stopping by. Coach Dave Wing in studio with us. And time to talk to some New England Patriots because they just made a big move. They traded for the very talented but also very troubled wide receiver Josh Gordon, acquiring him from the Cleveland Browns. For I believe what a fifth round draft pick they didn't they didn't give up much fifth round uh, draft pick <laughs> and he must if he plays in ten games then Cleveland gets the pick if he doesn't uh, the, there's some, something happens there that, in other words the Patriots would get something back anyway mm. I think it's Gordon and a seventh round pick okay but he's got to play ten games if he doesn't the Patriots get something else back it's a pretty good deal for the Patriots so I you're, think it's, you're happy about this acquisition I think it's yeah. it's low risk high reward. I mean, he's, he's not going to screw up the chemistry in that locker room. It's just not going to happen, not not in New England. I mean, I remember his 2013 season was just an all-world, one of the better seasons oh, we've yeah. ever seen from a receiver. But since then, he's barely been on the field. So it'll be interesting, certainly. I mean, uh, is this the move that? Um, uh, why do you think? What do you think prompted this move? I guess. 
Well, I think that they're really thin at wide receiver, and it, and it showed against uh, a really good Jacksonville defense because what happened was they didn't have to double-team anybody So that on the outside. So that allowed them to, to double-team Gronk. Yeah. yeah. They also held him quite a bit, but they double-teamed Gronk, <laughs> and suddenly he doesn't have Edelman's his, his uh, binky toy. You know, he, no matter what happens, he can shift and find Edelman and know where he is and, and that he's going to be open. And when you don't have that as a quarterback, you get happy feet and you start looking around, you're throwing the ball away and all of that. So uh, I think they, they need some other threat. Now, Kenny Britt has come back. I think that the deal there was he wasn't healthy enough to say we can keep him on the roster. We need roster spots. Hang around town, <laughs> and when you get healthy, we'll put you back on the roster. So he's working out. I think he worked out yesterday. I wouldn't be surprised that he's back on the roster just so they have some depth because Corderell Patterson, I think they thought maybe he could do something because he's blistering fast and he's big. But, you know, I think if he could just return kicks. Yeah. They, they've had, uh, uh, well, they've, of course, Edelman's done it. I, I don't think so. I, I, that makes me nervous. We don't need him out there being exposed any more than he has to. And then the other night they had Patrick Chung. Same thing. They, their defense hurts without him. Don't put him back on kicks. So I they I think they needed some help on those kind of things, and maybe that allow them to maneuver some other things. Is it controversial? Sure. You know why why should you give this guy a second, third, fourth, whatever number of chance it is? And my daughter said I talked to her on the phone last night. Um, she said, "Well, I think it's not just the fact that he said substance abuse issues." She says, "I think I've read somewhere where he has some mental health issues." It's quite and possible. Probably you know I would say depression, which is what leads to some of the alcohol and, and drug stuff, and then that makes it worse. So I don't know. You know, this is the most stable environment you can possibly get. There's not a more stable franchise than this. Well, remember Corey Dillon? Yeah. I mean, that was a guy who no one wanted to touch, and he had his, maybe his best season with the Patriots. So uh, the, the defensive back, um, Tlaib. Okay. Nobody wanted him. Yeah. Oh, that's a mistake. Uh, yeah, I think that they, you know, now they've made, they've made some swing and miss. Albert Hainsworth and <laughs> Chad Johnson, you know, they, I mean, but that happens. I, I said on the show yesterday, before we even heard that this might be an issue, mm-hmm. Maddie said, no way. I said, well, I'm not sure. They're, de- they're pretty desperate. I think one of the things, the strength that Belichick has, he's, I think he's average at making draft picks, just pretty much like everybody else. I mean, you don't know who's going to be, you, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but he is the absolute best at looking at his roster and saying, we need somebody like Aaron Moore, so let's see <laughs> if we can get him. And boom, he goes and gets him, and the guy makes a difference. Ayers, I mean, there's a list. Matter of fact, Matty was spouting him off like crazy. He, yeah. he must have listed 10 guys that people were just ready to cast away for a fifth or sixth round pick, and they made a significant difference because he doesn't need a star in every position. He needs a guy to do his job, as he likes to say. Yeah. And and uh, so I think that this is move number one. I think Kenny Britt probably is move number two. And I think they're gonna I think they're gonna look for either a linebacker and or a defensive back. Roll Ro looked hopeless uh, on phone call. We do have an incoming <laughs> we, call. But honest to God, it's Matt as soon as you sit in that didn't chair, think anyone was they calling. start calling like crazy. Uh, it's not even time. 20 off. Nobody calls it 20 off. They call <laughs> before the half hour. Well, give me one second. We'll see what's this going on. This is somebody asking a request for a song they want us to play. Uh, sorry, you got the wrong number. Uh, this is 
We we don't do request line. So it'll be interesting to find out because it has called. Somebody has called a couple times, and uh, not saying that we wouldn't have somebody on if they called uh, one of our regular callers. But uh, this is not a typical time for them to call. So we'll see what happens with that. But anyway, get finishing up that that thought with the Patriots. I think Belichick has been one of the real real top people uh, in his in his. Uh, time at New England for picking out guys that, that would make a difference for their team, not stars. They never, hardly ever make the big flashy, we'll get the we'll get this top, whatever. No, they pick that second and third line guys that nobody's paying attention to, but what he needs is he needs them to plug into a place and be part of the full scheme, and it makes a difference, and I think that's been his strength. Well, the phone call was, we're going to have Willie McGinnis on at 1140. So in about an hour, yeah, we'll okay. have William McGinnis on to talk. You know, because he hasn't been on this year. Well, he was supposed to be on at ten, apparently. Oh, but uh, the phone rang. <laughs> the phone, and, and I, thought, I didn't even notice. You know, we get, well, we get some random calls. <laughs> yeah, so. well, we're we're in the middle of the interview with Coach Gassingay, of course. So, but well, Willie at, at eleven forty to talk some NFL football. But, so. but going back to that, I'm not sure what I'm not sure what they're going to look for. Um, I mean, I like to say that I thought the offensive line was set. They looked average, I guess, uh, Sunday against Jacksonville. But Jacksonville is one of the best pass rushing teams in the league. Um, the linebackers looked slow, and that was a concern. Uh, and they had a couple of decent picks, we thought. The Bentley kid had, had looked great, but he looked... I mean, they did a lot of crossing routes. My and, concern and for the was, Patriots is they gave up 31 points to Jacksonville when Jacksonville didn't have Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Like, they didn't have their best player, and, and they split up 31 Yeah, and their pass defense, they were two steps behind the entire, especially on the crossing patterns. So, yeah, I think I, I, nobody's, probably nobody's going to give up a corner, but I'm sure he's been scouring the, the uh, waiver wire and everything else to look for somebody that he could get cheap that could fill in. And, you know... The only thing I'd say in Rowe's defense is he's almost always had some ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Uh, two years ago in the playoffs, he, he saved them. I thought he made some of the biggest plays on the on the route to the Atlanta Super Bowl. Uh, but then he has some times when he just looks like he couldn't cover anybody. So I don't know what they're going to do there. So the Patriots are at Detroit this Sunday, Sunday night football there on NBC. And the Lions are just off to a horrendous start right now. It should be a game where the Patriots can... Uh, bounce back, I would imagine, because Detroit, you, you look at their game so far, they got they got just embarrassed. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, run off the field by the Jets, who apparently knew every play that was coming, which would explain the final score of that game. And then kind of a heartbreaker losing at San Antonio, uh, pardon me, San Francisco <laughs> on Sunday to the 49ers, even though Matt Stafford threw for 347 yards in that game, and Golden Tate had over 100 receiving yards. It wasn't enough uh, losing there to the 49ers. So I, I think it, Detroit's probably head for an 0-3 start, considering the Patriots are probably going to be pretty angry after this past week. They, they've had a tendency through Belichick's time to come back after an ugly loss like that. Yeah, uh, There's no question about that. They're it's, on to Detroit this uh, time. Stafford makes me a little nervous because he can throw it, and they didn't look that, that good. They'll have some schemes for him that he hadn't seen maybe. Um the thing, the thing about Detroit is what we're hearing, I believe, is that it's the same old story. Belichick's 
coaching tree. His disciples leave, and the terrible. Right, yeah. <laughs> and part of it is, Maddie asked me that yesterday, and I said, you know, when the head coach, when you're an assistant, is incredibly successful, you really want to copy the kind of things that he's put together. And what everybody always forgets is two things. you got to be yourself, number one. And number two, they're going to, usually they're going to lousy places as far as what the team needs. Mm-hmm. No, Nobody's going to coach that team that's at the top because right. why is their coach? You end up at the Browns. He's, yeah, he'll the... stay if he can stay. So they're going to a place that needs a lot. And I, they're saying right now that when Matt Patricia went in, he tried to play the hard-ass Belichick, <laughs> you're going to do it my it way on the highway, well. and the yeah. veterans are looking at him like, hey, what? Now, is it what they needed? Probably. But they didn't like it, and it's going to be hard. They got, they've got to have to win a really, a couple of really big games in order for them to turn around and realize maybe this will work. Because when you talk to people that play for the Pats, they would tell you, I've been out of the places nobody works as hard as the Patriots do. Mm-hmm. Now, I know he keeps a really tight fence around him. That We're all aware of that. But not one guy that ever comes out of there says any. They have a lot of fun. He's fun. I mean, we, we don't see we it don't because see all it. we see is yeah. that same face over and over. Yeah. But they say he's pretty fun. I think Willie McGinnis said that, actually, the last time yeah. we had him on. And I think that he, he challenged them. It's third and one, and he'll blow the whistle and say, hold it. Aaron Morse, defensive <laughs> tackle. What would you be thinking about right here? What what would they try to do? And you know, and boom, it's it's like quiz time all the time. So everybody's on their toes because they don't want to, you know, miss the question. And everybody has to run or something silly. But uh, but anyway, they say he has a lot of fun. Uh, but he holds you accountable when you're screwing up. He's not afraid, as we've seen, to pull your butt out and set you down. And. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised, but guys get called out in, in film sessions and all those kind of things because that's probably what they need. Yeah. So we'll see what how that Matt Patricia era goes in Detroit. Uh, obviously not off to a very good start, and now they have to face his uh, former uh, boss <laughs> in a Sunday night game. Yeah, you know, the, the, the uh, pupil beating the boss doesn't happen very often. Not very often, no. And I've been there. Yeah. I, I when I went when I was a coach at Brewer, I, I coached against my high school coach. Mm-hmm. He'd moved to a different school, and whew, it was tough. Is it awkward to coach against him, or do you not um, think about it very much? Well, I think you're a little bit intimidated. I was a little bit intimidated because yeah. I was young. I mean, I I took the job at Brewer, and I was shouldn't have. I was too young <laughs> to be in Class A. Um, but um, it's I think for me it was intimidating. You're thinking he knows everything. Right. He taught me so much. And even though we're not running the same things and I've changed this and that, it's still my coach. And that's, you think about any athlete, you, you, your coach is somebody pretty special. Yeah. And, you know, we've read a lot of stuff that's saying at some points in time in a young kid's life, they're more influential than their parents are even. You Quite know? possible, yeah. And, and especially depending on what somebody has for parents, they may be, maybe they should be more influential. <laughs> but, but I think it, young coach means a lot to, to a, a kid, I mean, a, a, to a young kid, the coach means so much, and and it was the same for me. I mean, he, I, I don't know if I've ever told this story, but when I went to Brewers as a sophomore, I moved there from Portland, and in the second game of the season, they put me in as a starting quarterback, and I played all year. Never yeah. missed a play at quarterback. I didn't play any defense, and uh, all of a sudden, the coach retires, 
he goes to Dexter to be the superintendent. So in comes Bump Hadley, the new football coach. He was a guard at Maine. Yeah. So he lived right down the street from me. So he says, I'd like to have you. This is before the sports season or any of those things. He says, I'd like to have you come down and we'll start watching some films and going over the playbook. And anyway, make a long story short, in that part, he taught me what we were going to do. He said, I want you to be able to say to the guard when he can't remember, you got to block on the guy on the inside seat. And I knew that's how I knew it. I knew the verbiage of everybody's assignment because I studied it all summer. And then he said to me, look, I think that you've got a great arm and you've got some potential to go further. But he said, you throw sidearm a lot. Oh. And he said, you really need to throw on top. I said, well, what, what do I need to do? So he, I went down there every day. And every day he had a diff, some of the same drills, some different drills out in his backyard. His wife even caught some passes for us <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so that he could be right next to me, you know, working on my arm angle, whatever. He reconstructed my whole passing motion. Over my two years that I had him as a coach. Yeah. Then he moved to Maine as an assistant. Oh. And now, but I'm graduating. Right. And I, I got accepted at Colby, but I wanted to go to Maine. Mm-hmm. I went to Maine, and he's one of the coaches. Did you know and he was going to be? like? Did I know he was going to? that one of the reasons you went to Maine? No. Actually, yeah. I didn't know he was going to okay. be an assistant. Yeah. When we had the visitation day, and I pretty much had decided uh, that I was going to go to Maine, uh, all of a sudden he was on campus. I said, Hey, coach, you know, and I went over and talked to him, whatever. And he said, Tolly, I, I'm, somebody told me you're coming to me. And I go, yeah, he said, well, good. We'll see each other a lot. That was the first time I kind of knew that he was going to be one of the coaches. He he was a line coach, he, so he didn't work with the quarterbacks. Uh-huh. Dick Devani worked to the quarterbacks. But I never, I never would have had that opportunity had he not taken the time. And you know what? We were going to win some games in high school whether he changed my motion or not because I could throw the ball well enough. Right. I mean, I did my whole sophomore year. Yeah. You know, we was we were seven and two. I, we, you know. We didn't make the playoffs because only the top team made it in those days. But, mm. but uh, he he took all that time to teach me how to throw, and I started three years at Maine. Never would have happened. Of course, not wouldn't happen because I'm too small. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, all things are relative. Uh, so yeah, I think that your coach, when you have to go against your coach, it can be intimidating. I don't think there's any question. Now, Matt Patricia is an adult. Uh, I think he's probably got some tricks up his sleeve. Um, he'll run some trick plays or something. Well, I don't know about that. I think, I mean, he doesn't coach the offense specifically. Right. But, uh, you know, they got a veteran quarterback. This isn't some rookie they're going against. They're going against a really good, and they made Bortles look like an All-American, for goodness sake. Right, right. They so, really made Bortles look yeah, great. Bortles, and, and, so, and, and Stafford can really throw the ball. So I think I'd be shocked if Detroit beat him, but, you know, I said if they come out 2-2 two and two to start the season, that's pretty typical for the Patriots. They don't start strong. He's trying to figure out who fits. He's bringing in a new guy like he did with Jordan. With Gordon, I mean, you know, to, to get him ready. and So you never know. But uh, I, they're going to be all right. You know, people gloom and doom. Cripe the people in Boston. Are, you know, God, it's there's a dark cloud over the whole city, you know. So they'll be fine. Well, let's talk a little high school football. I, I, I'm very intrigued by the season so far. Class A North is is kind of interesting right now because you look at Oxford Hills, we thought might be the class of the North. They maybe still are, but they did lose to Sanford, which was the Class A South team. And, oh, my gosh, the South. Sanford is 1-2 and two now, but they're they're ranked ahead in the heel point standings over Thornton Academy, who's 3-0 and oh, because – 
Sanford beat Oxford Hills, right. whereas Thornton's beat Deering, Lewiston, and Massabesic. So Thornton hasn't really played anyone oh, yet, right. <laughs> necessarily. They're at South Portland, then at Wyndham. Like, they don't have a real big challenge to the late host Scarborough yeah. and then visit Bonnie Eagle towards the end of the season. And they actually wrap up with Sanford. But you, the, you, you saw the game, right? Oxford Hills, Sanford. Yes. You did that game. Yes. Maddie said that, that the Oxford Hills came out flat. He well, Oxford Hills, the problem is Cam Slicer broke his leg. Oh, yeah, Ooh, not dur- got- not during the game during practice. So he, he oh. obviously is out for the year. He'll be able to come oh, back to play baseball, wow. but he won't be able to play for any of the football games. So that's Car- that's Colton Carson's number one weapon, right on offense. Basically, is is Cam Slicer, and so without him, that changes everything. They have some other talented players, but they weren't connecting on the passes like they were. It's going to take him a week Little. probably to get everything back to. So without Slicer, that hurt. And then Carson himself was limited. He he had a groin injury, uh, pitching in a in a game. He he plays fall ball and um, baseball because obviously his his best sport is baseball. He's going to the University of Maine for that. So he was a little. He played against Sanford, but he, he was limited. I mean, he still ran the ball well, I thought, but his passes were off. Um, so I'm not. I'm, I think I might have to do with that. Not having Slicer there is kind of his security um, blanket, if you will. But on the other side of the coin. <laughs> Sanford completed multiple just absurd passes. Just like these plays where you thought they were going over. It was like third a mile. They just heave it up, and the guy goes up and gets yeah, it. Unbelievable. See, I, and I didn't say that. They also faked a punt. It was They were lining up to punt. They took a delay a game to like give their punter more room. Instead, they faked it on the next play. Wow. And the punter, who's like their tight end, who apparently is also can also play quarterback, threw it. 45 yards in the air, and it was just a jump ball, and the guy caught it for a first down, like the four-yard line. They actually, I don't think, ended up scoring on that drive, but it backed up Oxford Hill so much that Carson threw a pick six on the ensuing possession on a play where he was going to get sacked in the end zone and just tried to fling the ball away, and it went right to a defender who was literally on the goal line when he caught it, and he just walked in. So... And that being said, Oxford Hills was in the game the whole time. It wasn't a blowout or anything. I think what, the final score in that game was twenty to six, but it was like a one possession game for most of the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and it was also a long trip. I mean, Sanford is not a short trip from Oxford not Hills. Across, not across the street. And apparently, Oxford Hills bus driver like went the wrong way, and so they had to turn around and all sorts of. So there were a lot of mitigating factors, but certainly it was a tough loss for the Vikings uh, on the road. But they're still number one in Class A North. Tied with Portland, who uh, also lost, although Portland was playing Bonnie Eagle, so that's a little bit different. Bonnie Eagle won that game 24-7. This divide between the North and the South, though, that's it's rough for the North because any time you play Scarborough, Bonnie Eagle, or Thornton, I mean, those two teams are com- those three teams are combined nine and zero right now. I don't know anyone could beat the, them. The teams in the South uh, have more or less maintained their enrollments, mm-hmm. which means, quite frankly, more kids to pick from. Yeah, uh, more kids that are going to. The summer camps, more kids that are in the youth program, all that stuff. Right. The teams in the north are scrambling to try to keep their enrollment. I, I've used Skowhegan because I know it so well as uh-huh. an example. My last year coaching there, we had 1,100 kids. Mm. Now they've got barely 800, 300 kids. I mean, that, that's a lot of kids to lose, yeah. quite frankly. And it's potentially 150 boys that might be playing football, for instance. You know, so... Yeah, I think I think the they've got some really good teams and good programs uh, in the South and the North. I mean, let's face it, there aren't any very many A schools. That's why they had to put Portland and Chevrolet right and Windham in into the, the North. north yeah, you know, that's kind of weird. Uh, anything but the North. 
It's like Oxford Hills being an e- used to be in Eastern Maine baseball. It's like Eastern Maine. Right. They're any more west. They'd be in New Hampshire. Yeah. Right. What are you talking about? Well, Class B, as you mentioned, I mean Marshwood's been the dominant team there. Yeah. They're in the South. Marshwood, Kennebunk. Yeah. Yeah. They're both three. But again, Kennebunk was a was an A school for a while. Played in the SMAA, and they dropped down. I think they've been B in football for a while, mm-hmm. but but if the enrollments continue to, they won't they won't happen to them in Southern Maine, but. They could very well be moved to A and put in North A, Northern A. I mean, it, there's just not no A schools anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, Oxford Hills. Talking to Mark Soren last year, he all said how he's he's actually really pleased with the pipeline they've developed there, th- coming up through elementary and middle school, yeah. feeding into the high school, and so they're in good position, I think, to. I think always be with Portland at the top of the North, at least at the way it currently sure. is. It yeah. seems like. I mean, Edward Little certainly had a. Great year last year. You don't often have a quarterback like that, though, to come yeah, through. Yeah, although I tell you, I, I've done two of their games. Uh, this uh, Leighton Gerardin is a senior. Yeah, they're a bunch of seniors, and, but they haven't played. And he, yeah. uh, But he's looked really good. He can run and throw. Uh, Oxford Hills shut him down. But, they, yeah, they haven't yeah. played strong competition. But, you know, you play who they tell you to play. Sure. And yeah. as the season goes along and you get a little more experience and such such a kid starts to shine and whatever and, and – uh, you know, like Oxford Hill, it slices out maybe somebody that they haven't really realized will come to the front and be outstanding. You just never know. Right. But anyway, I so I think it's hard to know what they are. Wyndham is definitely down, and um, they the word we got Wyndham's was they, 0-3. they had some kids that were ineligible, uh-huh. and they had, I think, somebody they planned on being a starter moved to Portland, or is playing for Portland. Not oh. sure exactly how that all worked. Playing, I don't think he yeah. moved. Not only are they winless, they shut out twice. Oh yeah, and I did that game the other night against Yale. They, they didn't play well, and in the third quarter, their quarterback, the guys up top that were filming, said it looked like a broken collarbone. I mean, he he the Wyndham QB. Yeah. So now they lost their starting QB. Also. Yeah. Well, they, they finally scored some points. But they they've lost got by a 20. they've got a junior that came in to replace him and. Ugh. I think that it's the, just going to get worse for Wyndham. Yeah, I, I, I think <laughs> they they scored some points because I just think Yale let down a little bit. They were up and just Wyndham is at Scarborough this week. Oh, and then they're well. At, that's supposed to be one of our games, and I said to Matty, Ooh, boy, we might want to look at that." That one. game will only take an hour because they'll be running. Clock. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> then they host Thornton. Their crossover games are Thornton and Scarborough yeah. this year. Oh my gosh! And they're at Lewiston, at Cheveris, and then. Oxford, they, they might go winless. They've they got the, the same Bangor. crossover as Lewiston. Lewiston's had uh, Lewiston's got a brutal schedule. Also. Horrible luck. You know, I I saw the the uh, I did the Chevrolet Lewiston game. Close one. Lu- Questionable calls, I hear. Yeah, I I was wrong about one that I yapped about. <laughs> the rule they they called it correctly. You yeah. can't you can't down the ball, spike the ball from shotgun. Okay. I think it's a foolish rule with everybody running shotgun. It's grounding if you do that, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, they, and they lost it down and the whole deal. Yeah. But there were three or four things that were – Lewiston had – they the Chevrolet punted to Lewiston. And there, there was a, a kid from Lewiston ran down watching the punt, and it, it bounced a couple times. And I don't know what he got in his head. He went over, and it was about the inside the 20-yard line. He just put his hand on it like I'm downing the ball. No, you're you guys are receiving the kick. That's not downing the ball. So he touched it, stood up. Oh, Chevis fell on it. Right, to get the ball in the eighteen yard line. It's like everybody went. What just yeah. happened? And then uh, Lewis threw the uh, 
Cortez through a, a pass to a receiver, uh, beat a couple of kids from Chevis on the sideline, and uh, ran down the field. And then he there was one guy that had cut across the safety. He tried to cut inside him, and he went to switch the ball, fumbled it in the end zone. Touchback. Yeah. No touchdown. You know, so they had three or four golden opportunities and and didn't score and got beat 19-13. I, it's hard to say they outplayed Chevrolet because it was pretty even. Yeah, close game. But they got a couple of lousy calls. They had a couple of unfortunate mistakes, and they lost. And that seems to have been their season so far. Uh, and they're, they're 0-3 right now, but they're, they're hosting Portland this Friday. That, that'll be a tough game. But then they're at Bangor, they, and then they are hosting Wyndham. They'll... they'll they have Scarborough, but then Edward Little. So I think they'll have two wins probably going to Edward Little. And I think Edward Little and Lewis are very even. I think it's a very – and it's always even, that rivalry. Yeah. So yeah. Lewis can very well win, still win three games, make the playoffs, and then see what happens from there. Well, it looks like uh, – I can't remember the Casse North. Only one team doesn't make it. It looks like that, yes, based on what I'm looking at right now. So that's, No, but I mean, so it's probably Wyndham, let's just say. It's probably Wyndham. Bangor got the win they needed. Yeah. So – And uh, – I mean, it's always a debate whether or not you want to make the tournament in, 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 uh, when, you're, when you've won one game or two games. But, hey, stranger things have happened. Look at Portland last year. They were 2-5. and five. Made the run. Made the made run. run. Yeah. So you just never know. Now, do you have a game Saturday? No. Well, I have Bates stuff Oh, Saturday. Bates stuff. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm doing Lewis in Portland this Friday. Yeah. So, uh, home game for Lewis, and hopefully they can maybe pull off an upset. I mean, I don't think Portland's unbeatable, certainly. So, we'll see. Um, Lewis in Portland this Friday. I think uh, Elowitz, and they, they've got some pretty good players. They do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, we'll see what happens. Lewis has got some good players as well, some experience. So, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with more. This is the B-List Daily on Sports Time 780 and live online, sportstime780.com. You're listening to the B-List Daily on Sports Time Maine, AM 780, WTME, Rumford, Mexico, Dixfield. There's a winning culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. Well, now there's a new team to add to the list. The orthopedic team at Spectrum Healthcare Partners. An all-star team of orthopedic care right here in your backyard. Four of the area's top orthopedic practices, OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, Falmouth Orthopedic Center, and Maine Ortho have joined forces to become a dream team of orthopedic care, where physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff share resources and work as one to make patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about the orthopedic team at Spectrum Healthcare Partners and connect with a provider in your area, visit spectrumhcp.com ortho. That's spectrumhcp.com slash ortho. We believe in better, a better way to invest, a better way to serve you, and a better result. At Frisbee and Associates, we can help you determine how much risk you're taking, red flags that could be potential problems for you, how much you're paying in fees and commissions, potential tax liability, and how to address Social Security. For your free consultation, call Kevin Frisbee at 241-7430. Frisbee and Associates is located in Rumford, Brewer, and in Lewiston at 656 Main Street. Call 241-7430 online at frisbeebenefits.com. See something? Smell something? Do something. When your basement or crawl space smells, don't ignore it. Odors, mold, and harmful pollutants come from too much moisture and not enough air circulation making your home unhealthy. Do something. Call Wave Home Solutions today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. 
Experts recommend ventilation instead of dehumidifiers to reduce moisture and expel harmful gases and pollutants. Wave moisture control units continuously dry out your home, transforming it into a fresher, healthier environment year-round. Wave units cost only pennies a day to operate, and there are no buckets too empty. Call Wave today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. That's goodairusa.com or call 1-888-980-WAVE. Wave Home Solutions for a healthy, comfortable home. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. Call Wallen Associates now and pay less than you owe. 800-727-0433. That's 800-727-0433. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea or smoking all it takes is five minutes with paraswabs in five minutes you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth and in seven days six shades it's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers the secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by dr martin ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth best of all there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done to try paraswabs risk-free call 1-800-679-0969 that's one 800 I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. All aboard MBR.org. The place to get all your high school and amateur sports news and information. MBR.org is in high gear with Maine High School Winter Sports. Go to MBR.org to chat about your favorite team. Find the latest articles, travel news, and or visit their all-new and very popular team pages. MBR.org has everything you want to know about high school and amateur sports in Maine. Coming in February, all the high school tournament action at your fingertips 24-7. It's high school sports heaven. All aboard MBR.org. Welcome back. Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios. Aaron Morse filling in for Maddie B on the B-List Daily. This is Sports Time 780 and live online, sportstime780.com. Dave Wing with us in studio as usual. And, Coach, I know we were just talking some high school football, but obviously, you know, we got some field hockey going on, some other sports as well. So what's going on right now in terms of who are the top teams in the area in terms of uh, the some of the other fall sports we got going? Well, I uh – I told you I had uh, looked up the heel points. Yeah. Let's start with field hockey. Mm-hmm. Class A North. Yeah. Skowhegan in their familiar spot, 6-0. and <laughs> Yeah. And I think there was some chatter that Meselonski would be really good this year. Skowhegan beat him 4-1, to which uh. is a lot, of, a lot of goals in field hockey. Yeah. Coney's number two at 4-2. and two. Mount Blue, Mount Ararat, Meselonski. Oxford Hills at 3-3 three and three, comes in 6-6. Uh, mm-hmm. Edward Little is seventh, um, three and two. Then Brunswick, uh, Lewiston's ninth, and the first eight teams they do sixty percent. First eight teams make it. Yeah, Lewiston's number nine right now. They're one and five. In the heel points, though, they're fairly close to Bangor, right? Who's two, three, yeah. and one. Yep. So it's not certainly Lewiston's not out of it. Yeah. You know, can... In uh, Class A South, 
it's Westbrook, Biddeford, Scarborough, Falmouth, Gorham, Marshwood. It's interesting because the depending on the particular sport, the the number in in each classification is a little different. Yeah, we're seeing, you know, Biddeford, Scarborough, or not Scarborough, Biddeford, uh, Marshwood, and so Kennebunk. There, Chevers. There in A in in uh, in field hockey. Yeah, because uh, there are less schools that play field hockey. When we get to soccer, they'll. Some of them may choose to play out, but they might be might be down a little bit. And there's 12 schools in the north and 17 in the south in field hockey. Yeah, it's and and it's interesting. Um, Portland's in the south as they should be. <laughs> yeah, no, it's correct. And I think I think because they, they've tried not to do that like they did in football. Yeah, because I think there's enough schools. Right now, the 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 old rules used to say when they had 17. Own, they used to have the eight teams made the playoffs. That's what the old rules were way back when I was coaching. Yeah. Well, eight out of 12 versus eight out of 17 is a heck of a difference. Right. So finally they said, well, why don't we – first they started with 50%. And then they said, well, if we're going to do 50, why don't we just have an open tournament? Mm. The top ones will get a bye. And, what, and well, people said, no, when you're owing whatever, you don't deserve to, be, deserve <laughs> to be in the tournament. So the compromise was 60%, which is what it is now. Yeah. Matter of fact, when I was on the field hockey committee, I convinced the executive committee for a, for a three-year period, I think, field hockey was starting to die out. There were, when, there were less and less schools. And I said, instead of doing 50 or 60% in some of the, like that region, like that had 12, yeah. let's have all let's have eight teams. Eight teams or six, you know, that. in other words, it was an and or. Yeah. So there are at least eight teams, but there might be more. So that... To get more kids into the tournament and more opportunities and so on, and then eventually field hockey kind of made a little bit of a comeback. There's not a lot of surprises there, uh, other than Scarborough's in third. They've been one of the top teams. Bonnie Eagle, for a long time when Faith Littlefield was the coach, they were the team to beat, and they've dropped down a little bit. So uh, I'm kind of surprised to see Westbrook up there. It's not a field hockey name that I have, have noticed that much. Uh, turning to Class B North, Lawrence High School. If my wife knew that Lawrence High School was number one in Class B North, she would be sh- absolutely shocked. <laughs> she used to be the coach at Skowhegan, and coach we played in the KVAC, so you played Lawrence because at that time they were A. And they were so bad, the teams almost refused to play on their field because they didn't take care of it. There was a rut from... from uh, three-wheelers and stuff like that right down the middle of the field. I mean, it was just horrible. And now that here they are, they've got new new field, new facilities, whatever, and they're, num- they're number one. Foxcroft Academy, Winslow, which has been a traditional top team in, in uh, Class B North. Yeah. Gardner. Winslow, Gardner, Belfast have been really the three teams in, in North that, that really have been consistently there year after year. Uh, none of our schools there. Uh, then it goes down to the, the teams out of the tournament are Brewer, Oceanside, Herman, John Baps, and Waterville. Waterville, again, was a team. I think they've won three or four state championships, and they're 0-6 right now. Mm. By the way, speaking of Herman, have you seen what Herman football has been doing? No. They're, they've been unbelievable. Is, Look that, up. is that Class E? No, they're no, no they're in C. They're I think C. you should okay. see. They they have beaten some good teams. Let's check it out. Okay, let's look at uh, Gills Field Hockey Class B South Freiburg Academy. Poland is number two. Poland had a great year last year uh, in field hockey. Their coach is somebody that Maddie's really good friends with, and 
couldn't wait to see their score every after every game. Freeport, York is in fourth. York is at least the two or three-time defending state champ in Class B. They, But they have a new coach. Uh, finally, their coach retired, and um, that may make some difference. Levitt is in seventh. They're a perennial uh, tournament team. Uh, I interviewed Wanda Ward-McLean last year. I think... Well, let's see. We've lived in Green 33 years, and she was the coach when we went. So this is at least her 33rd year, if not more. She's been the coach forever. She's still got plenty of uh, spitfire to, to coach that team. So, And they're one of those teams that when the tournament starts, they, they, they really play. They're like Skowhegan. Uh, none of our other schools are there. Let's look at Class C North. Winthrop, 7-0, and undefeated, number one. They've had a good program for a while now. Um, Orno in the middle of the pack. They've been decent. Miranda Cook in six. Uh, and again, Haldale, really not any of our schools. They're, they're quite a bit further north. Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting. Skank and Stearns refuse to combine schools, <laughs> but they've got a combined field hockey team. Ah. Jeez. You know, that's how it'll start. Right. Once they realize it could work that way, they'll eventually, uh, they've got to. Right. They're, their kids are missing out. They can't offer the things they need to offer. Yeah. Class C South in field hockey. Mountain Valley at 5-2 and two, uh, leads the pack. Dirigo is third at 5-3. and three. St. Dom's, the defending state champs, are fourth at 5-0. and oh. Again, you know, heel points tells you that they either haven't played anybody or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Oak Hill, who won the state championship two years ago, uh, comes in at number five at 4-3. and three. Lisbon is six. Um and those are the other schools that are that play in our region. You were going to look up Herman. Yes, what I did. Find out? Okay, so Herman football three and zero, as you mentioned, um, and they have a big game uh, this Friday. They are at MCI this Friday. M- MCI is two and one, but MCI is first in the heel points right now. Herman's three and zero and second in the heel points. So that's a big game this Friday for supremacy and Class C North between MCI and Herman. And I think this is the. I don't know if it has any historical data there. Maybe the fourth year Herman's head football? <laughs> I, I'm guessing there, but... Okay, boys soccer, Class A North. Lewiston, shocking. They're yeah, defending weird, state champions. Right. Lewiston High School. 4 one Not like there's been a book written about them or anything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> nothing like that. Bangor is number two. Mount Blue, three. Edward Little is fifth at three and two. Um, Oxford Hills is eighth. There are eight teams that make it, and right now they are eighth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coney, Mesolonsky, and Skowhegan rounded out. Uh, Class A Sark, Boys Soccer South, Gorham, Kennebunk, Chevres, Portland, Wyndham. Down through Bonnie Eagles, 10th, Deering, 11 and 12. They take 12. Now there are 17 uh, schools in Class A North Boys, and there are 12 in. Uh, in Class A, boys north. So, same same change of numbers that we saw uh, in field hockey. And 12 teams go uh, in Class A south. Class B north, Herman. Boy, they're having a great fall. Herman is number one, three, one, and two. Uh, Mount View, Prescott, Brewer. Uh, Gardner is eighth. Just looking for one of our local schools. Waterville was 13th, Erskine 14th. So they take 14 for the tournament in 
In Class B North, there are 21 schools in Class B North. Yeah, I'm looking, wow. Prescott Island must have some long road trips. Oh, boy, I guess so. <laughs> well, you know, I said we all complain. Well, the North, Southern schools complain about going 20 minutes away. Right, Prescott, right. Seriously. I mean, if they play Caribou and Fort Fairfield, the school's close by. Now, close by, I'm talking an hour. Right, yeah. They lose heel points because they're not A schools, mm. you know? So it's really hard for them to, to do that. Well, Caribou, and well, Caribou is. I'm Caribou's sorry. Caribou's B along with Prescott. Yeah, B. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but you know, to play uh, Holton and some others, it's, it's a tough one. Right. Class B South, Yarmouth, Lincoln Academy, Levitt is number three. Um, Cape Elizabeth, number six. Oak Hill, number seven. That's a good uh, for boys soccer at Oak Hill. They, they've had a tough go of it, and this is good for them. Mountain Valley comes in at number nine. Um, Poland is 14. Those are the schools in our area. Boys uh, Class C North. Uh, none of our schools. Uh, Fort, Fort Kent. My wife just did the bike main up in Arista County. So yeah. she was at Fort Kent High School. She said, boy, that's, it, it's a lot of great things going up there. It's too bad they're losing all their population. Right. Uh, Class C Boys South. Marana Cook, typical uh, great great soccer school, is undefeated at five and zero. Halldale is third. Winthrop is fourth. Monmouth Academy is sixth. Uh, Fletcher, the coach over there, used to teach at Oak Hill, and his kids have played for him. That's why they've been good. St. <laughs> Dom's come in comes in at number eight, and Lisbon is number nine, which is uh, the teams that go to the tournament nine in Class C South. Dirigo uh, is 13th. Class D North boys. Uh, again, no schools. Central Rustic is number one. Matawaska. Uh, and again, none of the schools that we would come in and contact with. some of these with. schools play middle school and high school, as it looks like. Well, right? if they're under 100 kids, the uh-huh. middle school kids are, are eligible. Right. Otherwise, you lose eligibility. Yeah. Class D South. <laughs> this is a good one. So it's not just football that's messed up. You ready for this? Class D South. Yeah. Greenville is number one. It's not <laughs> it's South. one. Yeah. I'm telling you. Greenville is number one. Then North Yarmouth Academy, Richmond, Buckfield. Uh, yeah, I, I. they must have had, I don't know why, Greenville, they got, well, there's 20 schools in Class D North, and they're really North. So, I mean, there's Katahdin, there's Van Buren, there's Washburn, Shedd. Skank. I mean, they're all up there. So, I guess Greenville. That's interesting. Well, they don't play a they don't play a South schedule. Let's face it; they play the schools up there. But yeah. Then they play in the tournament in the D. So, okay, girls soccer, Class A, Class A North, Camden Hills, Brunswick, Bangor, Skowhegan is fourth. Mesolonsky, Edward Little is eighth. Uh, at all three and two. Guess those two ties got them something. Right. Oxford Hills is number nine. That's into listen to this. Oxford Hills is number nine at two, two, and one. I Go figure. Anyone, yeah. Guess it's. I guess it makes sense to tie the right team. Lewiston is number ten. Class uh, Class A South girls: Gorham, Scarborough, Bonnie Eagle. Uh, none of our other schools. Westbrook and Massabesic are in the bottom. Girls Class B North. Adamic Valley, Presque Isle, Oceanside, Winslow, Erskine, Brewer, 
down through again, none of us. How about Herman? Five and zero. Yeah, <laughs> they're having a banner year. Herman, really, this is a great fall for them. You know, they they built a a brand new school and and uh, it's in a great area just outside of Bangor. Mm-hmm. I mean, just outside of Bangor. So you get people that work in Bangor but live in Herman. It's I think it's one of those bedroom communities. That's a nice place to bring your kids up, and it's got a nice school system. Class uh, Class B girls South Oak Hill. Comes in at number one at four and two. Cape Elizabeth, Spruce Mountain, York, Morse. Levitt High School is number nine at two, three, and one. Poland is just out of the playoffs in 12th. They take 11. Uh, Mountain Valley, one and five uh, in num- is 15th. Class C, Girls North. Again, none of our schools, Fort, Fort Kent. Is uh, they number one in boys and girls. Uh, Dexter's six and zero. Yeah, Dexter's uh, undefeated. <clears throat> uh, I was looking for Gus's old stomping grounds. Lee Academy is thirteenth. I didn't notice what they were in the boys, by the way. We'll have to check that. Uh, Class C South girls soccer. Miranda Cook. You know they they've always been good in soccer. They've got two or three soccer fields all over the place. Mount Abram, Trape, Madison, Saint Dom's is sixth. At three and one, Lisbon is eighth. At three and one, Winthrop is ninth. Haldale is eleventh, and that's the the playoff group. And then Dirigo is fourteenth. Telstar brings up the the bottom. Yeah, boys soccer at lead two two and one so far. So sixth place. Sixth place. And Missed C that, North, I guess. Yeah. So Class D North girls: uh, Central Aroostook, Ashland, Fort Fairfield. Katahdin, these are all places you've never heard of. Correct, correct. Shed, Shed is in Machias. I could name where the where they actually where they are. are. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you this: with a pitlock, there's some places that uh, you would never find them if I sent you north. Really, <laughs> my wife went. Uh, I said I said she did the bike main sixty miles a day for six yeah. days in Arista County, and she said when we got above Bangor, the two two of the women that she went up with went. You know, I, I've never been above Bangor. Yeah. And I went, whoa. I, I, I wasn't there, but I'm thinking to myself, well, and then I said, well, you and Aaron Morse. <laughs> well, I've never been north of Lee. So oh, I've, I've been Lee. as far north as Lee. Yeah, okay. I've, I've never been north That's of... That's a little more east, but it's, it's up also there. also north, yeah. yeah. <laughs> north and east. Right, but I've never been north of that. I, I want to, though. I want to go up to, like, Presque Isle sometime or something, but... So, Greenville girls are also Class D south. Mm-hmm. Greenville is number one, both boys and girls. North Yarmouth is number two. Temple, Richmond, uh, are really Richmond and Buckfield uh, are always uh, pretty good in soccer. Richmond's number four. Uh, Greater Portland Christian is number nine. That's the tournament group. And then uh, Wiscasset bringing up the rear. Interesting stories about Wiscasset. So those are the heel points for field hockey and boys and girls soccer. It was a quick rundown, but it's important to make sure we keep tabs on them. Their their heel points build up quickly because they they play a couple, sometimes even three games in a week, mm-hmm. and boom, their their season ends long before football. I mean, they really pretty much start the playoffs the second week in October. So yeah, so that the playoffs show up quickly there for sure. But um, yeah, so definitely uh, 
a lot of good high school sports some, going on. Some and typical names here. Like I said, you, you said it. Herman's having a great fall. They, every one of their teams, Greenville, boys and girls soccer at the top. Yeah. They don't have football, so it's, uh, it you know, as far as soccer's boys are concerned, soccer is right. soccer's it. Miranda Cook is a typical soccer. Both their boys and girls are number one. Um, you know, Skowhegan field hockey, uh, nothing's changed. Uh, I... You know, they, they forget. I've, I've, Paul is a really good friend of ours. Uh, she was my wife's assistant, actually, uh, a long time ago. Um, they, everybody knows that they've won, I don't know, 15 out of 17 and 17 out of 21. Uh, and, you know, they won them, all of them, for the last two decades. Yeah. People forget she also coached there 20 other years. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's like John Wooden. Coached a long time before suddenly they win 10 consecutive right. NCAA championships. Yeah, but it was a process. Yeah. yeah, it was a process. And uh, she would tell you she learned a lot about herself and about coaching and building the program and, and so on. See, there's no volleyball around here. There's volleyball. There's, there's volleyball south. Yeah, it's Scarborough. And, like, and east. There's no, like, regions. It's just class A, class B, class C. And so, like, but there's, Lewison does not have a volleyball team, as far as I can tell. Neither does Edward Little. So... It's down east and yeah. south. Okay. And uh, Machias has had a volleyball team for a long time. Mm. But uh, one of the things that we always talk to Michael Hoffer about when he comes on on Thursday, he covers all those events. So he yeah. has he has the the scoops on who's playing well in in volleyball. Right. You know, it's interesting to me. Everybody, every school's got a volleyball net. I would think it would be one of the Quite frankly, one of the cheapest sports you just need a net, to put in. A gym. You already, a a gym. you already got a gym. Nobody's yeah. playing in there in the fall. Think about it. Right. They're all outside. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a great alternative sport in the fall, especially for those bigger schools where there's so many other kids looking for something else to do. They can't all play soccer. They can't all play field hockey. Um, and it's, But it's interesting. Some of the smaller schools are some of the ones that have adopted volleyball. Uh, hmm. So... I, I just think it'd be a pretty exciting sport. Yeah, you would think so. Right now, Scarborough four and one, leading the way in Class A girls volleyball. Uh, there's Class A, B, and C for volleyball. Keep Elizabeth at the top of Class B. Now, there's, there's no boys volleyball, right? There is, but oh. there's like only a few schools. Like, I mean, I don't even know if they have. Uh, they have to have eight to have a tournament. They yeah, have to have eight to have a championship. Yeah, there's um. There's volleyball, but it's, like, very, very limited, I think. So, I don't think they have heel points or anything like that. There's, like, four schools. When lacrosse started, it wasn't run by the NBA, MPA. It was run by the, the lacrosse people. It was mm. called Maine, in, Maine Interscholastic Lacrosse League, MIL, they called it. Yeah. <laughs> when it was doing, when they were doing that, Oak Hill won two of them. Yeah. And then uh, that's when Back Bay was a team. Portland, Deering, Chevrolet, they were all, that was one team. Back Bay, Oak Hill beat them. Yeah, little small dinky school in Wales, Maine. <laughs> but they've we've had lacrosse. Uh, Cape Elizabeth and Oak Hill are the two public schools that they've had lacrosse the longest. They started in '84. Mm, yeah. And uh, people keep saying, "You guys have had lacrosse since 1984." And I go, "Yeah." <laughs> I went there in '85, and they are already on their way. They they might have even had it in '83, but I couldn't attest to that. But. Yeah, lacrosse. I did the state tournament for lacrosse uh, this past spring, and there were some 
really impressive teams. Thornton Academy, obviously a private school, but they um, have a really good team, and then um, they won it. And then uh, Falmouth is always really good also in Class B, I believe. Well, it's interesting. When I was at uh, – Jay Tavaro was the great coach at, at uh, Oak Hill. He, he was a Latin teacher, Latin and English, and uh, and lacrosse coach. And we had 65 kids playing lacrosse. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. See, they don't have a track awesome. program at Oak Hill, so – Oh, class A, by the way, sorry. Class so many a. of those other kids, you know, those kids, they want to have something to do, especially football players, a place to run and hit and whatever. And they, they were always successful. And then he left, and we had a couple, Andre Doucette did it for a while, and, and we had some other people do it. Well, suddenly we're, when, Gus, when Gus was the assistant principal for just a little bit, he came over for two years, or well, a year and three quarters. <laughs> He'd been the principal at Levitt. Needed a change. He came to Oak Hill. He was my assistant for a year and three quarters, I guess. Anyway, he goes, I, I, we need a lacrosse coach. And I go, yeah, I know. It's one of our best sports. And he said, I'm going to Bates today. And he said, I, I know the coach. Right. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to them. He said he might have a kid that isn't going to play this year because he, he uh, hurt his neck and the doctors won't let him play. And so... See, uh, he said, I'm going to go down and see, I'll see what I think. So he comes back. He says, I think I got a guy. He said, I'll bring him back so you can talk with him. So he brought him back the next day. Kid's name was Gene McCabe. Right. And uh, didn't yep. play it at uh, Bates that year. So he, he ends up coming to Oak Hill. He's a fantastic coach. We end up hiring him in social studies to be a social studies teacher. And then the football job opened up. He took football. And then... He comes to us one day all down the dumps. We said, Gene, what's the matter? He goes, geez, I, I just don't know what to do. And so Gus and I closed the door. We said, what are, you, what are you talking about? And he goes, I, I, I said, spit it out, Gene. What is it? He goes, well, I I know the head coach at, at uh, is it Jefferson and Lee? Is that the name of the school? Or Washington, Washington, Lee. Washington, Washington Lee. Lee. Yeah. I, always, <laughs> I always confuse it. Washington <laughs> Lee. And we said, yeah. And he said, well, he he's contacted me. And he's offered me a job to be assistant lacrosse coach and, and volunteer a coach in football and we said what's the problem gene he goes geez you guys gave me a, a chance but i didn't have a job he said i i hate to leave you guys i looked right at him i said hey gene if you don't take it can i take it you know what are you talking about don't even blink do you want to take it he goes yeah and it got and it paid twice twice what he was going to make with us yeah <laughs> as a teacher and i said gene what he said i know but i feel bad i said don't feel bad there's no Neither one. He said, you're not going to be mad at me, you guys? And we said, of course not. It's a great opportunity. So he went there. Then he went to Hamilton to be the head coach. And uh, now he's back at Washington and, and, and Lee as the head coach. Anyway, he was Division Three co National Coach of the Year in uh, at Hamilton. So great, great Bates alum and yeah. did great things for us and for kids in general. I. We went out to play when my daughter played at Conn College. We went out. She went out to play Hamilton. They played a doubleheader because it was so far away. Friday night, Saturday. So we stayed with Gene and Kristen McCabe, and because uh, I'm the one that hooked them up. I think I told you that right. I fixed them up. Yeah. Anyway, they got four four daughters, and um, I, I watched the way because he was having practice. It had just started. Uh, they had to shovel the snow and everything else, and and uh, I just watched the way he interacted with those college kids. He's fantastic. And I'm sure he got that, you know, not, not only himself, but through that base program. I mean, he he really was terrific and is terrific. Yeah. 
Well, we'll take a break and we'll come back on our final segment. We'll have William McGinnis on in about 10 minutes. This is the Beatless Daily here on Sports Time 780 and live online at sportstimemain.com. There's a winning culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. Well, now there's a new team to add to the list. The orthopedic team at Spectrum Healthcare Partners. An all-star team of orthopedic care right here in your backyard. Four of the area's top orthopedic practices, OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, Falmouth Orthopedic Center, and Maine Ortho have joined forces to become a dream team of orthopedic care where physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff share resources and work as one to make patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about the orthopedic team at Spectrum Healthcare Partners and connect with a provider in your area, visit spectrumhcp.com ortho. That's spectrumhcp.com ortho. We believe in better. A better way to invest, a better way to serve you, and a better result. At Frisbee and Associates, we can help you determine how much risk you're taking, red flags that could be potential problems for you, how much you're paying in fees and commissions, potential tax liability, and how to address Social Security. For your free consultation, call Kevin Frisbee at 241-7430. Frisbee and Associates is located in Rumford, Brewer, and in Lewiston at 656 Main Street. Call 241-7430 online at frisbeebenefits.com. See something? Smell something? Do something. When your basement or crawl space smells, don't ignore it. Odors, mold, and harmful pollutants come from too much moisture and not enough air circulation making your home unhealthy. Do something. Call Wave Home Solutions today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. Experts recommend ventilation instead of dehumidifiers to reduce moisture and expel harmful gases and pollutants. Wave Moisture Control Units continuously dry out your home, transforming it into a fresher, healthier environment year-round. Wave units cost only pennies a day to operate, and there are no buckets too empty. Call Wave today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. That's goodairusa.com or call 1-888-980-WAVE. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. Call Wallen Associates now and pay less than you owe. 800-727-0433. That's 800-727-0433. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Paraswabs risk-free, call 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. All aboard MBR.org! The 
place to get all your high school and amateur sports news and information. MBR.org is in high gear with Maine High School Winter Sports. Go to MBR.org to chat about your favorite team. Find the latest articles, travel news, and cancellations. Or visit their all new and very popular team pages. MBR.org has everything you want to know about high school and amateur sports in Maine. Coming in February, all the high school tournament action at your fingertips 24-7. It's high school sports heaven. All aboard MBR.org. It's the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios across the NBR radio network. The B-List Daily on Sports Time 780, sportstime780.com. Aaron Morse filling in for Maddie B on this Tuesday. I think he's at a meeting of some sort. MPA he's an, Media he's an important person. Media Advisory. Okay, gotcha. MPA Media what, what Advisory. Do, do you know what they talk about those meetings? Yeah, a little bit of everything. <laughs> They're going to talk about eight-man football this week. Okay. They're going to talk about... Um, I think about expanding expanding volume. I don't know. There, there are three or four items. Yeah. Well, and then they also talk about the relationship be- between Maddie. Maddie is always worried that if if uh, is it Northeast Sports Network? What's the what's the name of that group that does a lot of the college and then they do the playoff high school playoffs? Oh well, there's a, there's NFHS Network. There's Northeast Sports oh, Network. Okay, this that's okay. NF it's the NFHS, yeah. National they, Federation of High Schools. Yeah, that if they if they keep expanding, that you know they'll take us right out of the game. And and I've done some games for them. Yeah. <laughs> so have I. Yeah, <laughs> I've done the yeah. I've done the. State, Maddie's done some games for them. I've, oh yeah, I've done two state championship <laughs> softball games from the last four years. Yeah. So I know what you mean. But yeah. uh, I, I, no, I just think he always wants to keep an eye on. If they expand in the regular season, that that becomes really right. difficult for any of us. So I think the MPA has a contract with them then for the championship games. Yes, so that's sure. yeah. yeah. But um, so yeah, Maddie's taking care of that today. The meeting and everything. Um, we'll have Willie McGinnis on at in about five minutes to talk some more Patriots football. But before that, real quickly, baseball. I know people don't really start paying attention until October, especially since the Red Sox are running away with the division. Uh, their magic number is two. They clinch the division. They easily have the best record in baseball at 103 wins and only 47 losses. That's inconceivable to me. 40-something <laughs> losses. Yeah. Think they, about it. They're, uh, Except the Seattle Mariners won 120 games. 116. 116. 116. So there's 13 more. But uh, let's see. The Red Sox have a few games left, and but I don't think they'll get there. And so. didn't win it. Didn't no. The whole thing. Right. So it's all about the playoffs. So do you think the Red Sox set up well for the playoffs? As they are currently constructed. Well, I think the problem with the Red Sox is, I think when they face real good pitching, I don't think they've hit as well as everybody would like them to. Although, I have faith in they're going to score some runs, especially when they play at home. Mm. I always worry about the starting pitching. Sale has just coming back from two stints on the DL. I think they've been cautious. But... You know, he's a guy you want to pitch seven innings, and he just shuts people out. Then, so he's not really where you would want him to be yet, and he probably isn't going to be. He's probably going to be five, maybe six innings, if if at that. Then you got David Price, who's had a fantastic year. I mean, I've been down on him for a long time, but you got to say, he really... He stepped it up. He really stepped it up. Yeah. The problem is, for the last... Eight years, at least, he's done nothing in the playoffs. Right. Nothing. Matter of fact, squeezed it off in the playoffs. Just couldn't, can't do anything. And Porcello, the two last two years have 
in the playoffs, he just bombed. I mean, he gave up, you know, 12 runs or some ridiculous thing. So that's their starting pitching. And then what do you do with Evaldi? You know, he's looked hot and cold. When he's on, he's looked fantastic. But Matty keeps saying he is who he is. He's, you know, you don't know what he's going to do. And then you got uh, Erod. I mean, when, when Eddie Rodriguez is really on, he he's fantastic. But, again, he tends to be one of those six-inning pitchers, you know. Well, I bet he gets moved like a well, I think he'll role. be the, he'll go to the he'll be yeah. relief and I think I think people are going to laugh. I think Stephen Wright may be the key to the whole playoffs. Knuckleballer. The knuckleballer and I think Cora is settling. He's tried him a couple of times. He pitched in the ninth inning not last night cuz he didn't have a game night before. Yeah. And I think he's saying to the catchers, I have faith that you can catch a knuckleball and it won't be a pass ball and you know all that stuff because they don't have an eighth inning guy. A workman, maybe it. Bonds is hurt. Uh, Joe Kelly, when he's on, he, he they can't even follow him off. But the problem is, you don't know what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. So I I'm concerned that the the pitching, even Kimbrel, hasn't been as spectacular this year. And this is the year because he's a free agent. They got a they got a lot of guys that you know they're going to have to sign Betts, Bogarts. Are they going to bring back Nunez? They're still going to pay Pedroia. I can't remember how many million dollars it is. It is, but who even knows if he's coming back? And yeah. they're paying him till twenty or twenty-one. So I mean, those type I, of deals are rewarding them for their past production. Yeah, and I kinda. and I love the guy, but I mean, I it hurts. And yeah, I mean, you don't. There's no way he's going to say, "Oh, well, don't bother to pay me." Yeah, no. <laughs> not happening. He's not retiring. So, um, well, even if he does retire, they still got to pay him. That's the, I think that's the way the contract. Okay. Written. So yeah. Like the Mets are still paying Bobby Bonilla uh, forever, forever, forever. That was a (laughs) sixty-year contract. I swear. (laughs) Well, you know the thing is, at least the good thing in in football, what happens is, and I know that's one of the things people don't understand why they're not signing Brady to a longer-term contract. Let's say they sign him for three more years. Yeah, and then he decides to retire. You're still that that counts on your salary cap. Mm. When a guy, remember when? Barry Sanders retired from Detroit. It killed him because he's still on the salary cap for I don't know three or four years, and you you it just is a killer. So they're not going to do that. So I don't you know I'm I'm worried about what the pitching staff looks like for the playoffs. But I'm a typical New Englander, gloom and doom. My wife says, "My goodness sakes, it's only the second game of the year. Relax. They got 160 to go, but it's fun." You, you got to gnash your teeth and worry about it and wring your hands and yell at the TV. Those are the things that are fun about 162 games. We've <laughs> well, got we'll, a guess. We'll move from baseball to football now. we got Willie McGinnis on the line to talk some New England Patriots because we are up here in, in New England to talk about the Pats. and the uh, Willie, obviously the question right now, what do you think of the trade to get Josh Gordon um, do you think he's going to be a big contributor, or, or do you think his time has passed him by because his last big year was, of course, 2013? No, I think he has a lot of football left. Um, mm-hmm. I also think that he's going to an environment where they'll provide resources around him and they'll make sure that you know he has all the tools that he needs football-wise and outside of football. Mr. Kraft and that organization, um, well, they actually care about players. You know, outside the uniform. So, 
I know that he's been struggling with some things off the field. I'm sure there'll be things in place for him. But when you go around some of the greatest football minds and, and players and a great environment, and they're going to hold you accountable, and you know you're playing with Brady and being coached by Belichick and Josh McDaniels and, and that and that group of men, um, I think he's is going to be demanding. I think it's going to be some pressure. And it's going to be up to him. He's going to have everything he needs. All he needs to do is go out and and, and handle his business. And uh, it's not going to be easy at first, but he's got to find his way, and, he, and he's got to work hard. Excellent. Uh, you're a defensive guy. Uh, the Pats just gave a bunch of points to Blake Bortles and the Jaguars, and they did not have Leonard Fournette. What needs to be changed or fixed on defense, in your opinion, right now? Or if anything, I guess. Well, there were some plays. They didn't play well, and they'll tell you. There's some things they left out there, and they uh, – you know, Bortles and, and company had a great scheme. Um, you know, he, he made some big third-down runs. He converted on third downs when they wanted to get off the field. you got to contain him. You know when you have tight coverage um, and there's nothing there, he's going to take off with the ball. And they also made some great plays on the outside with their receivers. Um, you got to tackle better. Some of the, you know, some of the technique and fund the basic fundamentals. Um, you can't let a guy catch a pass for 10, 12 yards and run for a 60-yard touchdown. So I know they got to clean some of those things up, and, you know, some that is, that, that performance wasn't their best, and uh, they're going to make adjustments to get better. Yeah, I never worry about I, – I shouldn't say I don't worry, but I, I'm not concerned about the early season. It seems like forever they've been 2-2 two and two to start the season, and then they really turn it on. Uh, I, I am a little concerned uh, about – crossing patterns and the linebackers looked a little slow and 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 so on is that a concern yeah yeah i mean i would say like i said execution could be a lot better and like i said uh, jacksonville had a great game plan against the patriots and they've got to figure that out they've got to play better they got to play faster and recognize things and you know hey those guys get paid too and and they made some and they made some great plays and they had a good scheme they were ready uh, for the Patriots, and when that thing, when those type of things happen to you, you got to go in and change some things in practice and make adjustments. Else, you're going to continue to see them in the league. I was I was curious about something, um, Willie. We were talking about this earlier on the show, but obviously Matt Patricia, the new head coach over in Detroit, the Patriots do play the Lions uh, this Sunday at eight twenty on NBC. But um, you know. Belichick's coaching tree, some of these guys who have gone on to be head coaches elsewhere have, have really struggled. I'm not, I'm not saying Matt Patricia's going to struggle, but the Lions are off to a rough start. Why do you think that's been the case? I mean, uh, Belichick obviously has so much success with the Patriots, but then some of his assistants go on and, and don't do as well elsewhere, I suppose. Well, Billy O'Brien has won a couple of divisions. You know, he's won a division a couple of times and been to the playoffs, so I wouldn't say all Fair of Fair enough. And I know it looks yeah. that way. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would say it looks that way. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's tough. It's tough to be in the system for a long time and then go out and get guys to buy into a system that you're accustomed to, um, a group of men, to do things a certain way, uh, to put team before individualism and all those different things. So you got to create a culture, and you need time. Unfortunately, you know, certain owners and teams, they don't want to spend time building, building that. You know, it took a while for us to build that in New England. And, and to get everything the way it is now, it didn't happen overnight. And um, when you go somewhere else like Matt Patricia is doing right now, he's trying to build a coach. He's trying to get a bunch of men 
you know, to buy into a system and understand uh, how to win and what it takes to win. So I would say I'm not panicking over that situation. I think I think he'll be okay, but it's going to take time. Excellent. Well, I know you played for the Pats uh, for the vast majority of your career. You played under Pete Carroll there, right, for a little bit? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, so, so Pete obviously, um, you know, he made the playoffs with the Patriots, but uh, he, he then went to USC, then, of course, ended up um, coaching the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. But now the Seahawks are struggling a bit. I assume you watched the Monday night game last night. I mean, uh, what what do you think Pete Carroll has to do there? What's uh, his coaching style that you've noticed change, I guess, perhaps from when you played for him as well? Well, first of all, they didn't have a lot of key players. K.J. Wright didn't play. Yeah. Wagner didn't play. Doug Baldwin didn't play. Some of their main players wasn't out there. And, you, you know, you try not to make excuses. Um, but, you know, it's a new group of men. It's, it's some guys that's been there. But, you know, Pete's starting over. And I think he's a great coach. I think he has a different style the way he coaches. Um, and different styles, you know, different styles to still win or successful. Like you mentioned, he still was able to win a Super Bowl and go to another one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think it's a good team. I think it's a solid team. I think those men understand it's going to take some work. And it's hard to win when you don't have your main players on the football field. What was it like going from Carroll to Belichick as a player? <laughs> I mean, those are, it seems like two different styles, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the personalities, everything was a little bit different. But, I, you know, I would say I was able to adapt to both men. <laughs> well put. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, through you know two weeks in the you know the NFL season so far, Willie, we'll leave you with this last question: Like, what are some of your major takeaways? Maybe a biggest surprise you've noticed so far in your mind, and maybe um, a, a biggest disappointment, perhaps, in the league so far. I think one of the biggest surprises is uh, Fish Magic down in Tampa. Yeah, he's been able to take that offense by the reins and just go out and <laughs> and play the way he's been playing. Um, explosive offensively. I think the defense is looking solid. That team's going to be really, really good. Um, probably one of my biggest disappointments. Uh, it's early, you know, so I'm not yeah. really surprised by a lot. So, um, I really don't have, I, I, I really don't have many, man. I, I expect certain teams to struggle and certain players to struggle, especially the young quarterback that everybody expects to come out and just light the league on fire. Doesn't always happen that way, um, you know. Defenses, defenses steam for them, and they confuse them, and they get after them. So um, we'll see. You know, I, I need at least a quarter of the season sure. before I start talking about teams that are panicking or disappointment. I got you. Not a problem. All right. Well, Willie, thanks so much for joining us here on the B List Daily. We really appreciate it. Hey, thank you, guys. Take care, Willie. All right, that was Willie McGinnis joining us here on the B-List Daily, breaking down the NFL. And, yeah, he makes a good point. Obviously, it's only two games in. Yeah, so. I, well, you know what? That's a Belichick philosophy. He yeah. said you don't, know who, you don't know what you got till the end of September. We really don't. And also, I mean, for me, though, like the Steelers have been uh, kind of disappointing. Wow. Uh, I guess. I mean, I'm not disappointed. I don't like the Steelers. But I, <laughs> in terms of their performance, you know, tying the Browns and then, and then losing last week. Antonio Brown basically said, trade me on Twitter. <laughs> so things are kind of falling apart right now we, for Pittsburgh. We we were trying to look at who who are the teams that have played the poorest, Maddie and I, at the bottom. We said the Bills, certainly. Well, yes. Arizona. 
Yes. I yes. think for what they have for talent, we go to the Steelers. Yeah. Now, they're not going to end up down there. But well, and Le'Veon Bell still holding they, out. I think he's – and they, the word is he's going to stay for 10 weeks until <laughs> he can – and then he gets his free agency. I don't know what cares about my fantasy team, but I spent a lot of money on oh, Le'Veon boy. Bell this year. <laughs> the, the, the thing Luckily is – I have James Conner. <laughs> I said if, if this were happening to either Belichick or Parcells, you know what they would say to him? Yeah, we're going to suspend you for the for the remainder of when you come back. You're gonna you're gonna be inactive. Yeah, you'll, they're gonna still have to pay him. The yeah. owner may not like it, but right. You know, I I don't know this. I understand guys wanting to get their money because they could get hurt tomorrow. Yeah, because uh, Manny said what are, they should do is car- make him carry it forty times a game after he comes. That's back. what they'll do though. <laughs> no, they will. He's not. I, he, I mean, he's gonna he's be not, a free agent. He's not gonna come back. Right. No? So it, why not just? You know what he said? the ball every time. It's like when Santana went to Milwaukee. Oh, boy, they pitched him every third day. I mean, they worked the stuffing out of him. Yeah. I think those teams, um, I nobody else jumps out at me. I don't know what to think about Miami. I mean, they beat the Jets because the Jets look like they were world beaters when they beat Detroit, but Detroit was all Well, and apparently the up. Jets had the, the lion signals like they – Knew it was coming. Well, you know, you Apparently. you you listen to guys. <clears throat> I can tell you some of the things that Brady says. That, you know, blue thirty-eight. He <laughs> used the same color a lot. Yeah. And I'm guessing that probably either hand signal and something else. I mean, they all do that. It's almost like baseball. There are certain things that mean something. You know, when he taps both sides of his helmet. Right. Brady. Well, Peyton Manning was notorious Omaha. for like Jeez, it uh, so uh, Omaha, but like also yeah. like a bunch of nonsense. Like none yeah. of it meant anything. Didn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the Patriots, what they did. You know, and it's so interesting. I I read another article about Chip Kelly. You know, you're almost starting to think Oregon was a fluke because he he just isn't able to people aren't catching on to what he wants to do. But I tell you what, he's he's helped the Patriots win two Super Bowls because he came in and spent a lot of time with with the quarterbacks and with Belichick when he was between jobs and taught them about how to not to necessarily run total hurry up. I think that's one of his issues. I don't think he can run it all the time. I think you weigh your guys out and you don't run the clock off. And but when you want to change the tempo of the game like the Patriots do sometimes. What he taught them is one word means such and such, as long as you've got a, a prefix color before it. Or, yeah. Uh, red Alabama, red Alabama. That means we're going to run this play, and everybody scrambles to their formation. The Patriots are one of the best at that. And we didn't see any of that against – see, I think it's too early in the season. We didn't see any of that against uh, Jacksonville. That would be another thing that you do two things, to change the tempo – to wear down that pass rush. Yeah. The pass rush was, was tired at the end of the game. It was so hot. Because my complaint, I complained to my wife and my daughter, and my daughter understands the complaint. My wife says, stop whining about it, you know. <laughs> Three years in a row now, Miami has played in New England coming up two weeks when it's nice. Yeah. And we go to Miami at the end of the season when it's hot down there, or reasonably hot. Why aren't they coming up here in January? You know, it should be every other year you do that. One year you're down there in the heat, and next year you're up here in the cold. Otherwise, what what are we getting out of home field advantage? Mm-hmm. Part of home field advantage is all the conditions that come with it. Right, and yeah. It's crazy to have, I mean, okay, great, let's bring Green Bay and Minnesota in in January. They don't <laughs> care. It's just like home, yeah. you know. Miami, it makes a tremendous difference, and it makes a difference for them 
when you have to get down there and and you've been playing in freezing weather. I mean, yeah, what do they do? They go inside and turn the heat up in the in the uh, bubble. Mm-hmm. So what? You can't duplicate what it's going to feel like. The humidity and yeah. now I'm not saying it's going to be. 90 degrees down there in, in J- December and January, but it's going to be a heck of a lot warmer than it is in New England. By the way, Coach, uh, you're a UMaine alum. I mean, you got to say the Black Bears, wow, how proud are you right we, now? Oh. Uh, they have a bi- they had a bye week this Saturday, but now they're at Central Michigan this upcoming Saturday. Um, another mm-hmm. FBS goal. Maddie's going. There. Yeah, he's going Maddie's again. Maddie's going again. I mean, you might be really proud he, of He's got things geared up. Yeah, Michigan you know, right now. it's been great. Uh, Maine. <laughs> it's been great because he, the, the, uh, you know, there was some worry about when Cosgrove got done, uh, Harris Simiak, brand new, nobody really, I mean, they knew it from the staff, but you don't know what it's going to be like as a head coach. And last year, during the year, uh, their top running back uh, wanted to leave school and actually did leave school uh, leave as a, and went somewhere else to play. And there seemed to be some unrest. And we, we talked about going into the season – you know the the jury was still out on what's the what is Harris Simiak, the head coach gonna what's he gonna do about all that what's the flavor of the staff and what kind of a year they're gonna have and so I went up to the first game to watch them against UNH kind of with some trepidation saying they haven't they lost to UNH fourteen out of the last fifteen games including playoffs and everything else and they turned it around they uh, they dominated that game. And uh, and they were down twenty-one to nothing to uh, Western Kentucky and came back and beat them. Uh, just with sheer determination and and good play and good coaching. So I I am really excited about. Uh, yeah. You you were talking on that phone call about and missed me saying I think that the jury was out on Harris Simiak after last year. Uh-huh. I think there was a lot of unrest. Their top running back left school. Um, didn't like the coaching staff, et cetera, et cetera, and that that doesn't that doesn't go over well when you're trying to recruit people. Uh, so it looks to me that win against New Hampshire really put a jump start in. in well, yeah, that especially season. since that's a conference game right off the bat. Then you get and you've lost them 14 out of 15. You, yeah. You're already worried about whether you can even beat them. Then you get three non-conference, and then you get right back into conference play on October 6th. Against Villanova up there in Orono. So. Ooh, that's another tough one. Villanova's tough. Mm. So we'll see. It should be a fun season for the University oh, of Maine. Oh, I think it's – I'm excited. A, yeah, off to trip. I, I'm, You're going to go up to some games? Well, I'm waiting to see. Yeah. I went to that opening game, and yeah. then uh, Walk asked, dropped me a note of when homecoming was. The problem is it's right at the time where our playoffs will begin. Uh, maybe uh, maybe it's uh, – I can't remember when homecoming is. But anyway, I looked at the date, and I'm sure we'll have games. So – not sure what to what to do with that. I'll see if Maddie is looking ahead at all. I mean, I'm sure he isn't. We we wait to see what the good games are going to be, and then that's where he assigns us. But, right, uh, right. <laughs> yeah, would I like to go back up and see another game? Sure. Uh, and it's also great to get together with my friends and a couple of guys from from Skowhegan, one of my coached with, and it's my best friend. And yeah. And uh, and then we always meet the Orno coach, uh, Bob Sinclair, who is one of Haley's really close friends. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's been a nice uh, matter of fact. We we've lost a couple of dear friends. Mike Mike Haley being one, and and uh, Don Finley, who used to be the the AD at Skowhegan way back. He was my assistant baseball coach when I was the AD. So anyway, we sat at Pat's. Uh, we went to Pat's uh, before the game because it was a Thursday night game. Yeah, that's part of the tradition having a a, a pizza at Pat's and told Haley and and. Uh, 
and Finley's story. So it was great. Yeah. The four of us got together. And, and we saw three other people that were in and around. We saw Skip Chappelle, who used to be the basketball coach. Mm. Anyway, we, we had a blast. It was just a great time. So would I like to go back and see another couple games? Sure. Excellent. But I like doing our games too. Yeah, so, kind of <laughs> torn. balance it. So, well, that's going to do it for us today here on the B List Daily. I've been filling in for Maddie B. My name's Aaron Morse. Thanks to Paul Gassengate for joining us in studio. Don't forget October first. Yes, one hundred five Sports. One hundred five Sports. One hundred five first. Right here in Lewiston. So uh, that should be very exciting. So thanks again to Paul Gassengate. Thanks to Willie McGinnis as well. He's Coach Dave Wing. I'm Aaron Morse. Signing off. This has been the B List Daily on Sports Time 780 and live online at sportstimemain.com. <laughs>